Hello, and welcome to Geek Between the Lines, a podcast that normally explores compelling themes in some of our favorite geeky properties. I'm Brittany. And I'm Chris. And this week, instead of our normal episode for Star Wars, we are having another sorting chat, and we are going to be sorting the Rogue One characters. Yeah, so this will be one of those special episodes where we put them into their Hogwarts houses. Yeah, so who should we start with? Jin or so? Yeah, it's probably a good idea. Yeah, so what do, you, what do you think about Jin? What house would she be in? I mean, if we think about the end of the movie, or not necessarily the very end, but like closer to kind of the climax of the movie, she gives this speech about hope and about we should still be fighting and there's a chance and we need to, you know, that feels so Gryffindor to me. Mm. It's interesting because I think that she she also has some Slytherin in her. She's extremely resourceful. Oh, yeah. Before the movie even starts, she's been living, you know, under fake names, learning all sorts of skills, doing fake jobs. I think that she's she's well-trained. So, yeah, I think that, that she's got that. Yeah. I don't necessarily see her as ambitious, though. Yeah. No, she more just wants to do her own thing and not have the Empire or other people bother her. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> so... I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure because, you know, and and then again, she has her kind of speech more towards the end where she's saying like, we're going to do this and then we're going to do this next thing and we're going to keep going. We're going to take every chance that we have until there just aren't any chances left to take, Mm. Um, which again feels so Gryffindor. (laughs) It's like, we will die trying. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. By the end of the movie, she's, she's certainly Gryffindor. The beginning of the movie, she's really not, you know, it's more mm-hmm. loyalty than anything that's that's getting her on this quest to begin with. But after her father dies, she, the reason she still stays on, I think, is very Gryffindorian. So, yeah, I don't know. Maybe a, a Slither door puff? There you go. <laughs> Probably more a Slither door. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Speaking of doors, why don't we talk about Cassian and door? <laughs> wow wow i know right great great you, transition. you showed a lot of bravery saying that joke. <laughs> cassian he also i mean he has some cunning and mm-hmm. resourcefulness and not ambition is like oh i need to be the leader of the rebellion sort of way but like ambitious in what he wants to accomplish hmm yeah, but then, I mean, he obviously has that, that bravery bit, too. But he's, I think he's a little more okay with the darker side of the rebellion. You know, mm-hmm. we meet his character, and he's talking with an informant person and ends up killing him, you know? Mm-hmm. So that they won't both get found out, or he won't get found out, or, you know, the information won't get out. It doesn't seem like he, he enjoys making those decisions, but he is willing to make them and for him it's the strategic thing to do and so he'll do it where i feel like a pure gryffindor might have a little harder time with that yeah i agree for me i think for him it's somewhere between slytherin and hufflepuff because i also see for him a lot of loyalty but a loyalty to the cause a loyalty to the rebellion and i guess a loyalty an earned loyalty because for most of the movie he doesn't have any loyalty to the other crew members other than k2so but he doesn't have anything to Jin. he's happy to lie to her you know he doesn't really care if people die but 
once he, I think, gains that loyalty to Jin, the fact that he then rebels from the rebellion to to do this this mission to support her, I think, is uh, might be a, a form of loyalty as well. Yeah, I I think he he's much more committed to the cause than he is to people. Mm. So it's like he's loyal to bringing the empire down, and if that means. At some point, he gets an order from higher up that says, oh, you need to kill this friend you've been working with all this time. He's going to do it. And yeah. he doesn't have loyalty to that friend in that way. It's it's all about the cause. Yeah, that makes sense. So so I'd say primary Slytherin and then maybe a, a secondary Hufflepuff? Yeah, maybe. I mean, he seems like he's not, he doesn't shy away from hard work, but... I'm not sure about that's the true. fair play part. <laughs> that doesn't, doesn't sound. Ooh, that's interesting, super though. Looking at those those hard decisions he has to make and the work of being a spy and assassin and, and all these other types of things, that is a, t- a type of ha- hard work. Um, yeah. It's not just hard in persevering physically, but in having to kind of push through the the emotional toil of that. So I like that a, a lot, actually, as a as a really interesting. Maybe, yeah, he's a really interesting take on a Hufflepuff who, whose loyalty is less personal. Mm-hmm. Well, why don't we go to Cassian's friend, K2SO? Oh, K2SO. My favorite <laughs> droid. He's just so funny. It's hard to look past that. And like... Yeah, yeah. He might be just your favorite character. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do really enjoy him. <laughs> I mean, when you think about a droid, you... You think about everything that they have access to, right? So yeah. you could be tempted to like put him in Ravenclaw, but I don't know that he actually feels that Ravenclaw to me. I don't think so. He, yeah. he doesn't seem to be seeking information for mm-hmm. information's sake or, or or knowledge or or expertise. I think that he he's a little bit more pragmatic. Yeah, and snarky. <laughs> <laughs> But he, I, I feel like he does have a pretty high value on self-preservation, mm. which is interesting coming from a droid that is the companion to someone who is so committed to the rebellion. Mm. But he, yeah, he cares about self-preservation, but he also doesn't like to be left behind in the ship, right? Mm. It's like... They told me to stay behind, but I'm gonna just go out anyway. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, is that is that like a a Gryffindorian like I need to do what needs to be done, or is it like a Slytherin ambition of like I should be the one who's making decisions? I don't even know. I feel like it might be a third option where he just like thinks the other people they're not as competent as they should be, <laughs> and like he's probably gonna have to go save them. Yeah, and yeah. but he would do it with a sigh, you know, like like a Gryffindor would like do it with joy. <laughs> and he's just like, ugh. Yeah, that's true. So is he is he unhoused? Is he he doesn't have any? Uh... Yeah, I don't, he's very interesting because in the end he he dies and and he does that willingly. It's really hard in this movie because, because they everyone all do. dies. <laughs> <laughs> they all choose to go on a suicide mission. And die for others. And mm-hmm. that's a, a kind of loyalty that is just so powerful. And in a movie with this big ensemble, we don't we don't get to know each of their characters super well. And so that becomes one of their defining decisions and choices. And so they all seem to have this loyalty, I think, that, that maybe is more pronounced because we see them making those huge final decisions. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, so maybe K2SO doesn't have a house. Maybe he K2SO is a muggle. <laughs> it's funny because, like, my my mind went immediately to, like, he's a normal type Pokemon where <laughs> he doesn't have fire or water or electricity. He's normal type. It is actually a type. It's an element, apparently, but it's non-elemental. <laughs> <laughs> Totally. Maybe he only really fits in a house in like the the magical school in Japan or something because I would like to claim him as partially my own. (laughs) Okay, okay. Well, well, first time for everything. Uh, K2SO. No Hogwarts house. (laughs) Well, he's he's just too special to fit into any category. Well, what about Chirrut? Chirrut is interesting. Again, love him. Mm -hmm. I think he definitely has some very Gryffindorian traits. Mm -hmm. Not just like willing to put himself on the line, because again, a lot of these characters are doing that, but just such devotion to his beliefs, which Mm -hmm. I feel like is very Gryffindorian. But it's not Mm -hmm. just like... He's loyal to them. I think, he, like, he just believes them so strongly. Yeah. And I think he also... I mean, he's blind and he's running around with surrounded by people with guns, you know? He, yeah, he does have a bravery. lot of bravery. So I could definitely see that, but I think... If we're just looking at that movie, I mean, he would probably be closer to to what we would think about a Ravenclaw, thinking a little more philosophically about things, mm-hmm. rather than just the day-to-day of food, shelter, these different things. Like, he, he seems like he has this other thing that he's poured time and thought and so much of his life into. Yeah. Not that all monks would be Ravenclaws, but I could see it lending itself to that more easily than some of the other professions. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I think he's he's really interesting. I'd love to get your your take on this as someone who who studied theology. You know, I feel like faith can often be seen as as the opposite of kind of Ravenclawian critical thinking and, and, and things like that. Like belief rather than trying to seek knowledge. But I think that that he really is emblematic of someone who has faith, but who's also a student of that faith, who is trying to seek knowledge of what that faith means and what mysteries it holds and, and all these other kinds of things that um, I definitely see as, as very much a Ravenclaw type of aspect for it. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I, I can definitely see where you're coming from there. I think <laughs> in general, when we think of especially, you know, coming from a Christian context within the United States. (laughs) (laughs) We have to be like, yeah, Ravenclaw is not something I strongly see. (laughs) Um, Just in mainstream Christianity, right? Mm -hmm. And yeah, it can so much more just be like, oh, this pastor tells me this, so then I believe it. And there is not the critical thought. It's like, just you believe it and then that's kind of it-ish. I mean, it, that's not it and, and people wouldn't say that, but like compared to the academic pursuit mm. of theology, which, you know, I've done some of myself, it, it's just such a different practice. Yeah, I mean, it, it's easy to juxtapose something like, oh, science would be the Ravenclaw 
way, and then face would be I don't know what it is, but it's not the Ravenclaw way. Um, mm. But if it's if it's through the academic study of, it's through thinking about and entertaining and exploring these different philosophical ideas and and in that pursuit of understanding you you come to believe something but also hopefully you come to understand that you can never just arrive at at some belief and never like change it or or Mm. keep pursuing keep learning more because there's so many just interesting fascinating thoughts and how do those things incorporate as you learn more and new perspectives and new viewpoints on things how do those incorporate into to the things that you come to believe so yeah i think if theology is done in a very conceptual way i think it can be very ravenclawian but Mm. it's just sadly not done that way very much yeah so I, I could see Chirrut being like that in some ways, for sure. All right. So so he's a, a Ravenclaw slash Gryffindor? Ravendor. Ravendor. All right. Well, what about Baze? Baze kind of strikes me as a Hufflepuff because he seems hmm. so devoted to Chirrut in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. even though he doesn't believe like Chirrut and that's not how he operates in the world, but they're like a duo, you know. Well, and it's interesting cuz cuz isn't he a part of the order or he used to be a part of the order even though he doesn't have that same faith and of course as we've discussed many times, I just want to know so much more about all these characters. I but know, right? for me it's it's was there a falling out? Did he lose faith and was that traumatic for him but he mm-hmm. stayed around because of his loyalty to to Chirrut? I I don't know. Um I think it's really yeah, very interesting questions. Yeah, um, but I definitely see that loyalty there, almost the opposite of Cassian's loyalty, where it's not it's not to the cause, it's not to their order, it's to his friend. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and isn't it like right before he dies, doesn't he look over to Chirut, even though Chirut's already dead? Doesn't he like look over to his body, like the last thing he does? Which something like that, yeah. Also yeah. sounds very Hufflepuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I mean, the hard work of carrying around that minigun. <laughs> I need to have a weapon. I'll take one that usually is mounted on something and just <laughs> hold it. <laughs> yeah, there, there's that. Well, we should probably move on then to Bodhi, the last member of Rogue One. Oh, Bodhi, I also love him. <laughs> you know, your discussion of, of Chirrut being brave as as a blind man it kind of strikes true to me for Bodhi too because you know he makes very brave decisions to leave the empire and to help the rebellion and to face Saw Gerrera who is clearly someone who is a frightening figure and and who which he is traumatized through his Mm. interaction with and I think he kind of has this element doesn't he say at one point that he he kind of saw himself as weak until Galen Urso told him he could be a part of the rebellion. Like, there's mm-hmm. this element of almost Neville-like quality. I was of, so gonna say Neville, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, where where he he kind of gets propped up by others, but he's the one who still makes the decisions that are ultimately really brave and maybe even more brave because he's fighting against something that where where this isn't his natural tendency. Mm-hmm. Where he actually is scared. Yeah, yeah. 
Ugh, I love Bodhi too. <laughs> <laughs> Which is also kind of interesting because if we're thinking about Gryffindors as people who are very convicted in what they believe and then they're willing to sacrifice mm. themselves because of that and and be brave whether it comes a little more naturally to them or even if it doesn't. I think it's interesting that he got close to Galen Erso hmm. because Galen Erso was pretty up there in, in what he was doing with his research and engineering. And so I kind of wonder if it's one of those when you have certain strong stances, like sometimes you find other people who do as well. You're just like naturally drawn towards each other. Yeah, I just kind of wonder how he... Galen knew he could trust him with this and how they formed a relationship. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Give it to us. I want it all. <laughs> <laughs> well, should we wrap up there, having done the six members of the Rogue One crew? Yeah, that sounds good. Well, what will we be discussing next week? So, originally, we had said that we were going to discuss order in Star Wars, but I had a disgruntled Ravenclaw moment. And I was like, there's not enough interesting stuff here. <laughs> they don't go into this enough in Star Wars. Because, I mean, we already have talked about, you know, we've complained about the Jedi Order a ton. And we've, <laughs> we've talked about some other elements that kind of intersect with Order. So we thought that we would do something that's that we haven't addressed as much before. It's not good to make a Ravenclaw do something that's just not intellectually stimulating for them. So <laughs> we decided to change it to fear in Star Wars instead. All right. Well, thank you all so much for listening to this special episode. You can find links to our social media accounts or our website in the episode description. You can also join us on Patreon at patreon.com slash geekbetweenthelines. If you like these fun kind of weird exploratory episodes, then you'll find extra bonus content by becoming a patron that's very similar to this. We also want to thank Kimberly Taylor Pastel at Lacelet for designing our logo. You can find her designs at lacelet.com or searching for Lacelet on Facebook or Instagram. And before the holidays, it's a great time to go shopping for awesome designs as well as some geeky Harry Potter-ish designs as well. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I love her her Harry Potter designs. They're so great. Yeah, I'll put a link to that in the episode description as well. All right. Well, we'll see you next week when we talk about fear in Star Wars. Until then, geek, geek out. out.